Welcome back, everyone, to another Black Create Connect podcast episode where your favourite black business host has some of the most incredible, impactful, inspirational, you know it, you name it. If you listen to the podcast all the time, you, you know the list, right? We've interviewed some of the most incredible black leaders all over the world and today I have with me an amazing digital consultant, Hayden Cronus, who's here. Welcome him, you have to give him a warm welcome because that's what we do at Black Crate Connect. How you doing, how you doing? I'm good, I'm good, thanks for having me. No, thank you for coming. Oh, no, no, it's okay, it's okay. No, thanks for coming, yeah. thanks for coming. How are you feeling? Good, I'm good. I'm in a good place. Yeah. Would you like to give our audience like an introduction to, to yeah. you really quickly? And then so, um, yeah, I'm a digital consultant. I've been working in social media and digital for the last 15, maybe 18 years. I'm giving away my age. I'm 41. Right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I've been working wow. in the space for a long time now. Um, working at different agencies for different brands, um, working with Coca-Cola, Campari Group, Kickers. Um, I now work in the arts and culture sector. I've worked with over 300 different arts and culture organisations from the South Bank Centre, um, National Gallery, et cetera, et cetera. So now I work as a consultant and it helps I help organisations with their digital strategies or their social media strategies or building teams out. So how you build out a digital team in the first place, the people you need to actually deliver a strategy, mm. um, training and a speaker, et cetera. You've got a wealth of experience, like that's a lot in there. There's a lot in there. It's all in around the same space, but yeah, I've I've, I've moved from different I've moved from different um sectors. Okay. Um, primarily, um, I have I always enjoyed the arts and culture. Sector. I worked I worked at the arts arts council for about four and a half years, and then at the arts council I was in a team called Digital Culture Network, where we if you were sponsored if you could be funded by the arts council we could you could talk to us come to our team. And we could help you with any of your digital worries. So if you had a, needed a strategy, if you needed an e-commerce platform, if you need to figure out how to work, use a CRM, come to our team and we'd tell you how to do it and walk you through those steps. Okay. And then working for the, in, the, in the arts, I just really enjoyed the energy more so than agency side. Um, I left the arts, went back to an agency. I didn't love it. It's nothing to do with the agency. I just did it. I have, I've found the agencies aren't for me. Agencies aren't Why? for everybody. It's just, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I didn't, I don't, um, I don't think I thrive in agencies. I've been at three or four different agencies and every time I always felt like, okay, this just doesn't feel like it's for me. I didn't didn't enjoy the people so much. I didn't enjoy the work, the way we worked. I didn't believe that, like you said, as in seeing yourself at reach certain levels and if mm. you see those possibilities. And for me, working in the arts is where I realised that's where I can be the most impactful, where I can actually help people, help organisations and feel appreciated for it, if I'm being honest. <laughs> was that because you saw people like you in those roles more, or was it just like- Definitely not in the arts. Like, so the arts is okay. just as bad, you don't see it. <laughs> like and now that I'm, especially the more I've been consulting and like the more senior um, the rooms I'm in and stuff like that, you, there's not still not many black or brown people in these spaces, but mm. they are appreciative of what you're doing. And there's, I feel like there's more chance for me to have a bigger impact. Whereas in the art and the, the agency side of the world, there's a million people doing digital. There's a million people who do what I do. Um, how successful they are is a different story, but there's a million people who yeah, do what I do. Yeah. So um, I, I, for me, working in arts has just worked perfectly for me. I, I, I get to be creative. I get to work with, work with great organisations who are doing, telling amazing stories. Mm. Um, and they and I get to have an impact at these places. So. Okay. Cool. Well, before we kind of get into more about what you're doing today, what I like to do for all my guests is go kind of back mm. into like when their journey started because mm. I think it just helps listeners um, to gain some context behind your journey mm. and it really helps us to appreciate even more what you've achieved today mm. as well. So if you don't mind starting as far back as you as you feel Way comfortable, yeah, okay. some people start from birth, yeah, some people yeah, start yeah. from university or, or college, whatever it is for you, where did Hayden's journey start? So realistically, my journey um, started, I used to be, I used to do music. So like a lot of, yeah, like men. <laughs> oh boy, we used to do. I used to do music. Um, well, yourself, like I was, actually, yeah, I was in a, I was in a band. So I was in a band, and the band did reasonably well. We called the Stowe. We were from Walthamstow, so we called the Stowe. Okay. Um, we played Glastonbury. We toured the country. Was we won like a oh, national wow. competition. Um, Wait, did did you sing or like what was sang, your role? We used to sing. Used to rap. Used to write the songs. Used to manage the band. Everything. So I did everything within the band. It was the band was my band. <laughs> um, so, oh wow. So this was yeah, and what maybe. 10, 12, 13 years ago, what have you. Um, we've gone. What, what I want to know, before you go on to like yeah. the band successes and everything, 
Why did you, like, when did you start it? What age did you start it? And so why did I you started start the band after university. So about 21, 22, maybe mm. a bit older. Um, I was doing music, I like dib and dab and different side of things. If anybody who's ever worked in music, you'll know sometimes it can be a pain trying to work with producers, especially if you're coming up. Mm. So I was like, I just got so frustrated trying to work with producers. Like, okay, I'm going to get a band and do stuff myself. Um, created the band. And then we just started, we just did really well. We started to win competitions and we started to do tours and like, we won a competition in the Metro. So we were, um, went on tour with Vivi Brown mm. and then we had, like we was in the Metro every week for like a month, like as in a big, like a, eight, like a page spread about the band every week for like during the whole tour. Um, did that, we won like MT, uh, MTV competition. We were mobile unsung. Like we done loads of cool little things. Yeah. We just didn't quite break through. We didn't, um, so when I hit 30, I was like, all right, Time to get a real job. My friend, my friends were buying homes and buying paintings for their houses. I'm like, All right, I'm still renting, so <laughs> I need to get, yeah, I need to get yeah. focused now. So I stopped doing music at 30. I didn't want to be an intern at 30. Ironically, I was a big Friends fan, and I, I used Chandler, who actually unfortunately passed away today, or Matthew Perry. Um, I used him as an example because he. There's an episode in Friends where he went back to being a, an intern and at an ad agency. And I was like, I'm not gonna be 30 and be an intern. So I started to make a, like a small little business. I went back to all my music contacts that I can help you with digital and social. I then did that for an agency. I went to, I had a friend who was at an agency and I said, I can help you with your social. Again, this is about 10, 11 years ago. I okay. helped you with digital and social. She said to me, oh, we've just hired somebody. If you'd have got back, if you'd have contacted me a week ago, that would have been great. We could have used you to let cool. Three months later, she got back and contacted me and saying, oh, the person's not very good. Can you come in? I was at that agency, um, was there for about a year, was the social media manager there. Then I moved on to another agency, again, just doing social media and digital stuff. Okay. Didn't love it. I was look after Unilever there, I looked after Unilever, I looked after um, Superdrug and Enterprise. Um, so again, just looking after their employer branding, social media channels and building their channels and building their profiles. Left there, went to the Arts Council. No, I met Ete. That's when I met Ete. Mm. So that's when I met Ete. Ete Bomb is um, a CEO now at Engine. Is it Engine? No, he's not Engine anymore. He's at Dentsu. Dentsu, yeah. Um, and I saw him online, and basically I was like, wow, there's a, at the time he was an MD, he was a managing director. And I was like, there's a managing director. And Analog Folk. Yeah, Analog Folk, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Who, at, um, at a creative agency. I was like, wow, I, I literally hadn't come across it before. So I messaged him on LinkedIn, just like, oh, it's incredible to see an MD at this agency. I'm, I work at agency, just really inspiring. Mm. That was it sort of thing. And then we started speaking for about six months or so. Just literally, I'd send him things I thought were interesting. Um, mm. He'd message, like, he'd like comments and stuff on my LinkedIn and stuff and things like that. And we just go back and forth, like, like conversations. Um, and then he said to me, oh, I'm starting something called We Are Stripes. I'd love you to get involved. And then, yeah, between me, Ete, his brother, and at the time there was about 20 of us, so there's quite a lot of us. Um, mm -hmm. We created a platform called We Are Stripes, um, which was a diverse inclusion uh, platform for the creative sector. So mm. working in Adland. Um, and then, yeah, again, that spiraled off into other, into other things, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. Okay. And then from there, I went to the Arts Council, um, as part of a team called Digital Culture Network. Worked there for about three and a half years working with arts and culture organizations. So it allowed me to work with over 300 different arts and culture organizations, helping them with their digital and social strategies, mm -hmm. how to build out their teams, how to, um, I, was, I used to give talks and webinars and things of that nature, mm -hmm. um, which led me to where I am today as a consultant. Okay, okay. That was the, that's, uh, yeah. that's like a whistle-stop tour. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. So my listeners, listeners are probably thinking, Alicia, okay, so we, we know you, yeah. we need detail. Yeah. We need, oh, we need okay. to get deep, okay. right? Mm -hmm. So... Just going back a little bit, right? First of all, where were you raised? Wolverhampton, you mentioned, right? So, North London. I was born in East, born in Milan, but North London is home for me. Yeah. Tell us a bit about your upbringing yeah. and um, around your, I guess, be as comfortable as you wish. But what was your upbringing like? Like, what did you want to be when you were younger? What were your, some of your interests? What was young Hayden like? Let's let's understand you a bit more. So, I was always into creativity, always into music, always into trying to. Um, I grew up in the era the before social. So it's funny, I was talking to a friend about this yesterday. Where I grew up in the era where when modems were just coming out. So you're this era in the... The, the, the who? The modem. Do you even know what modem is? See what I'm saying? Oh, is that the computer? <laughs> the yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, I remember <laughs> AOL. The, see, yeah, yeah, exactly, okay. yeah, <laughs> Really showing my age. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, we grew up in an era where there was people would have to... You wouldn't see people like you look like you doing anything successful. You wouldn't see... 
everyone around you was either footballers or musicians. Like I grew up just not seeing success, not trying to even understand what it looked like. So I was always the sort of person who's like, okay, how do I do something for myself? Mm. How do I create this? How do I create my own lane? Um, my family was quite into church and quite religious. So we would, it was always in church. So that kind of kept me on a reasonable straight and narrow. Um, and yeah, that was a normal, a normal life, like a normal kid's life. I was never, yeah, it's a normal kid's life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and yeah. you, and so you just listened to what you were told, went to school, was into creativity. Went, yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, it wasn't, yeah, there was all, you're always going to have issues in schools and stuff like that, but nothing, yeah. like, nothing crazy. Um, was never a street kid. Um, you grew up in the area where you know people, but that's as far as it goes. You know what I mean? Who who actually inspired you, like growing up in your life? In my life, yeah. Oof. That you had that was like okay, you it took me somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Funny, like again, in that era, probably n- nobody. <laughs> in really, yeah, in your yeah. personal life, in that, in that era, when you, like you grow up, I moved out quite. I moved out at sixteen, so I moved out quite young. Um, okay. So in that era of your life, especially like I said, this is pre-social. This is pre-anything. You're just trying to figure it out. You're just yeah. trying to figure out how to create a career and you're seeing some of your friends who are doing well, but you know how they you know the means of which they're doing well from. So you're trying to figure out do I go down that path? Do I not don't like so that you're just trying to figure it out really. You're you're looking to America, you're just seeing American success and thinking, okay, maybe I've got to do something what they're doing, I've got to emulate what they're doing. You mm. don't really for me anyway, personally, I can't talk for everybody, but for yeah, me yeah, personally, yeah. I I didn't really have a, a picture of what success looked like. It's kind of why now today when I see, not see younger people, but when I hear some 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 of the stories I hear, and I'm like, and they're like, oh, there's no nothing for, nothing for us to do, or there's nowhere, there's no access for us. I'm like, eh. <laughs> like there's so yeah, there much access for so you, like, yeah. There, like there's so many Too much, well, there's so much choices. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's yeah. choice. Like, and not even, not only is there choice, but you can see yourself in lots of different spaces. Like I said, when yeah. I was coming up, you only saw ourselves in music and football, like realistically or sp- in a sporting way. And I know it sounds cliche. Mm. But it's true. That's all. That is the only angle you saw. What did your parents tell you? Because I know that there's the um, like for me yeah, when yeah. I was growing up, my dad was like, "Alicia, you have to be a lawyer, oh, or you have real? to yeah. be um, uh, accountant." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doctor was never a thing. I don't think he trusted me like that. But he, <laughs> but he always kind of stirred me down the safe route. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So was there anything that was kind of fed to you from your no, upbringing? Not that really, um, no? single parent background, that kind of scenario. So my mum was just always. My mum was always supportive. My mum was very religious. So growing up, I again, I, cliche, I wanted to be a footballer. So growing up, I wanted to be a footballer. I used to play football quite a lot. But we, we used to go to church on a Saturday. So it wasn't... Um, Seventh-day Adventist? It wasn't Seventh-day Adventist, but it was similar um, practices. Okay. So that used to always... That was always an argument. Oh, I can't play football because it's, it's Sabbath and we're all X, Y, Z, et cetera, mm. et cetera. So um, that used to cause issues. I was... Again, in my head, I was reasonably good, but it is, <laughs> it is what it, it is, yeah, what it yeah, is yeah. sort of thing. Do you see what I mean? So we didn't. Re- there was never really a class to say, "Oh, you have to be this or you have to be that." My mum was more just like, "Okay, let's get by, let's make things work." Um, and she was there for us from a religious standpoint and mm-hmm. to show us the world. But again, my mum was young when she had me, so again, it's that yeah. you're kind of growing together, sort of thing. Do you see what yeah. I mean? Um, so yeah. And I'm guessing, did you have like other siblings that you can kind of like? Yeah, so connect I, with I did. I had. Um, I've got twin sisters now who are smashing it. <laughs> um, they're 26, okay. and then I had a brother who passed away. Um, oh so no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear. He was the, he was we were the closest, so we were like he's sorry. he was four years younger than me. Um, so he passed away about seven eight years ago now. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. No, that's all good. Um, so yeah, so me and my brother were really close. Um, but other than that, yeah, because like, again, you're just always striving to do. To mm. Trying to achieve something, but not. But when I was young, I didn't know what that was. Like, what you're does just success, going. You're just going. There's no blueprint. There's nothing to follow. Or I didn't have anything to follow. Again, I'm not saying there wasn't at the time, but for me, I never saw anything to follow. So I just did what I thought made sense. You go to university, you go to college, you go, um, you try and do an internship. Like you just, mm-hmm. I just do things. You know what I mean, without really knowing. What did you study at uni? Uh, marketing and advertising. Okay, so that's where you kind of got that's your marketing exactly. expertise. Yeah, okay, yeah. the full circle. All right, and then during your time at uni, what did you kind of? What was the main takeaways for you at uni? Would you do uni all over again? I would go to uni again, but it would be different. I'd do it just for subjects I like. But um, if I okay. was, yeah, nowadays if I was going to university, it depends, man. It really depends. There's so much you can do without being there. There's some. Think of it like this: anything that your te- if 
anything they're teaching at university mm. is already old. Like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. True. Anything they're teaching at university is already old because it's going to be in a book, which means it's, that means it took a year or two for them to write that book. That means it's already. Yeah. You see what I mean? Even so, that sometimes even it's longer. Exa- yeah. Exactly. So therefore, it depends on what you're studying. If you're going there for marketing, for business. I don't know if if you're gonna spend the nine or however I don't even know how much it is anymore to pay for university nine k yeah putting that into yourself might be better if you know if you're thinking about it correctly if you're saying okay I've got I'm gonna pay nine k for this how can I put this into myself into a business I want to do how can I put this into um, creating a studio how can I put this into Mm. creating a business how can I put this into increasing my education in a specific subject matter that I want to increase my my, uh, increase my education and how can mm. I put myself in a room with people who are going to be doing great things there's to me now there's other options um, mm. but having said that some people again go to university depends on the university you go to and you meet great people who again you can put who are your peers and your friends mm. for life that create those networks later on in life so yeah it's a, it's, it's a toss up but, yeah, oh, yeah. but ultimately you would actually probably probably do university again potentially potentially um if I knew what I knew now, probably not. If I'm honest, knowing really? how how, my, how I think now, I'm a the, the way I look at the world now, probably not. I would probably um, just go out and do stuff. Why not? Because I, I just think there's so much. Like simply what I just said before, yeah. everything's probably already old, and there's so much yeah. you can already do. Um, there's so much um, success you can create on your own in 2023, 2024. Um, yeah. I, I, like, okay, I put it to you this way. I don't. Know. What did you say at university? international business okay international business now how much of that do you believe that you couldn't have learned on the, online and you couldn't have done if you went to a you went to an agency and you couldn't have done your work because you worked at agency side so mm. how much of that you say okay if i didn't go to university i wouldn't be able to have done xyz at, the, at, my, at my day job so i can confirm yeah. that everything in my career is down to what i've done in my career yeah. it has very little link to university yeah, yeah. but however <laughs> yeah but yeah god I think what university taught me, because if I, I think if I started out in a working world straight away yeah. at that age, I wouldn't be mature enough. Mm-hmm. I think I needed that buffer just to grow up a little bit. And I still had to grow up a little bit, a bit afterwards. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I needed that buffer. And I think the softer skills, like yeah. I didn't know how to really put a presentation, a deck together. You know, these are things that, simple things that a lot of people don't know how to do. And still don't know how to do. But I'll, I'll, I'll raise you that. So, so for example, I did a... Um a, a, a one-day workshop with the Roundhouse and mm. it was about what a digital producer was. And in that room, you go through what a digital producer role is, what a deck looks like, how to create co- creativity, what your role may look like at an agency. Yeah, There's co- one-day courses that show you all of these skill sets yeah. that cost five pounds. No, you're right. <laughs> do, no, do, you're do, right. Do you see what I mean? You're like, right. Yeah. yeah. Like, um, so, so there's, there's always a place for university. Yeah. I, I'm more just a thing of, you have options now. Whereas mm. when we was, when I was growing up, if you didn't go to university, it was almost like you couldn't get a job. There's mm. nothing, you didn't have any other options. Whereas now, I feel there's so many options. There shouldn't be the pressure on a, on a young person to say mm. that if you don't go to university, then that's it's it. done. Well, okay, <laughs> yeah. let's, let, let's be a bit more targeted. What about black, black people? Because, oh, b- because yeah. the reason why I ask that is because growing up, many listeners have heard me say again mm. over and over, my parents' narrative was you need to work twice as hard. So you need to minimum have a degree because you're a black woman. Because I didn't want to get a degree when I was when I was mm. even at that stage. But my dad got a master's and yeah, said, yeah. look, I got a master's whilst I'm working as your dad, so you can go and get a degree, <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. So upon reflection, I thought, you know what? Probably having it on my CV was a door opener. And, and I could have had more doors shut to me, maybe, especially being a black woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what about to black students that are thinking about it now? To black? I don't know. Again, because, again, I think our gen- the generations are different. So mm. I grew up probably in a similar generation to, um, well, my parents are similar to your, your parents mm. in terms of, I'll go to university because you have to do it, because you mm. have to work harder. Um, but again, going back to that, I don't know, that, like, where, where your family from? Jamaica. Okay, so, so similar background. So mm. mine are Jamaican as well. So, so they're Adventists as well. <laughs> oh, oh, there, oh yeah. so there you go. So there you go. So, um, so then looking at it from that standpoint, um, they would have come to a conclusion that if you don't do these things, there's no there's no chance in hell yeah. because they've seen how, what the life was like for their generation. But our generation or generations younger than um, younger than me just going forward, they now, it's like you said, they're social media. They're now seeing people successful as managers, as business managers as people who have gone to gone into finance directly from school because they've gone into an internship mm. they've seen pe- that you, 
there's so many there's a, a plethora of images and and of opportunities now for uh, for people that it can change the way you view things whereas when we were growing up mm. it wasn't like that yeah and if it was like that again you had to be within the certain networks to even know about it in yeah. the first place whereas now i can google something and i'll get a hundred different events come up yeah look at your your platform for example mm. you've got a, you've got a platform with over 800 people in this whatsapp group who are all mm. sharing context and sharing jobs mm. Yeah, how? But yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> do, 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 do you know what I mean? Like yeah, when we yeah. when I was going up, how? Yeah, exactly. Um, and then, but then, and there's so many other platforms that do a similar thing. We're sharing mm. great opportunities. Even if you're a little bit curious, you can find opportunities in today in today's society. Um, I'm also a very big believer in mindset and being able to. If 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 your mind is if, if you're if you're a positive mindset and you can see things and you can visualize where you want to go you'll be shocked at how often opportunities come to you. Mm. Like, as in all of a sudden, you'll see, you see like when people say, oh, I'm looking for a yellow car and then all of a sudden you see yellow cars every five seconds. Mm. For me, that's how opportunities come for me personally. Mm. Like now that once I, once I can see my destination and I know the steps I need to take to try and to cultivate um, an online presence, to cultivate um, networks, to cultivate um, connections, yeah. all of a sudden opportunities come to me. hundred, yeah. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah. And I believe, if I, this is why I say if I knew these things as a young person, what am I going to university for? Yeah, no, I understand what you're saying. That, back then, I get it. Yeah. In 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 today's age, it's up to you. You can still go. I don't. I don't. I don't. I wouldn't knock my child. Like yeah. if I have a child, I'd be like, yeah, go. But um, yeah. but it wouldn't be a king of you have to go similar to how As our parents was, might have been. Yeah. Got you. Do you see what I mean? Got you. Got you. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Well, that's it's just good to kind of yeah, get yeah, your perspective yeah, yeah, anyway yeah. on on those things. Like, you're like look, I disagree. No, 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 no. Like, I'm just. It's just good to explore it and yeah, see, yeah, you know. Yeah. Because I think it's again, it's valuable for anyone listening that might even have children and are not not really sure where to stir them or advise them. It's just good to get yeah. external perspectives. Um, but you mentioned that you built a band. You put mm -hmm. a band together at university towards the end of university, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? First of all, how did you put a band together? Because if I was trying to do that, I don't know where to start. Yeah, yeah. So again, Google is your friend. Like I literally, <laughs> it's funny. So I went on, I went on to Google. I went on to Gumtree, I think. Gumtree. I went on to Gumtree. The untrusted yeah, platform. Sorry. It, no, it's mad. It's mad. I know. I went on to Gumtree <laughs> um, and just looked for a few different music blogs and music sites and started looking for people who are sort, like just literally different musicians. And then mm. I reached out to a few, held, held, held auditions for this band. And um, yeah, people came through. At first, it was um, it was me and a singer, great singer named um, Shyama, and um, at first she was the backing singer for the band. We did one show in Blackpool. Our first ever show somehow was in Blackpool, um, and then me and the band was like, "You might as well just join the band. It doesn't make sense you being the backing singer. You might as well just join the band." What Tisha? Tisha, 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 we did, like I said, we done one show. Um, we went all the way to Blackpool. It was my my friend who drove up with me. I drove up was, was the only person in the room, <laughs> and then we performed to my friend. And then I was like, "This is you must just come and be in the band." And she's like, oh, "Okay, cool." It wasn't really her thing. She was like a, a neo soul singer, but she's like, "I'm not doing that unless try it," sort of thing. Um, and then yeah, we when Shy joined, we kind of took off from there. If I'm honest with you. How did you go about funding the band? Because I think when, when I talk to a lot of my music artist friends, yeah. some are established, some are still upcoming, it's a it's a very it's an expensive and a long journey because you have to spend a lot of time in studios, rehearsing and so forth. So how did you manage in those initial stages? Um, for, yeah. So for me, what I say for especially for people who are trying to do music, my angle for that is if you will pay 100 200 pounds for trainers for clothes whatever it may be but then you won't put you won't pay 100 pounds for studio sessions or you won't pay for rehearsal studios you don't want it like that's just how mm. i kind of see it i used to, I've, I've worked and been around some of our biggest stars in the country but and the diff that is literally different they just really want it if you if you want my thing for any kid and i say this like i'm a mentor on the, um, the one month mentor program with elephant room and i was saying to the the, the kid the mentee i'm managing the moment a mentor at the moment the uk is tiny so mm -hmm. if you do anything for six for six months and put a, a like a decent amount of work in yeah. you'll be within that space yeah yeah you're how right. far you go is then dependent on how much harder you put but if you do work within six months within that space and you do a, a decent visibility with it you're within the space so now it's up to you to say okay how do i connect this mm -hmm. so 
for me, there's always opportunities for you to create a lane. There's always opportunities for you to go about and think about what do I want to do? How do I see what I want to do? With me, when I was getting the band together, band members came and left. Um, we had, I think, three, two or three different drummers. We had two or three different um, bass players. But the bigger you get, the more hungry you get, the more success you get, the more you're like, okay, I can do this now because I'm mm. seeing that someone's liked what we've done. I can, I can do this now because we just won this competition. I can do this now because we're doing shows and people are coming and singing our songs. We're, we're, you start to... Get, you get even more motivated. Exactly. There's momentum behind every ladder. And I always say to, again, young people I'm talking to, sometimes there's this thing where we, we see an end result and like, okay, but well, I want to be there now. I want to do this right this second. So like, I'm, I'm going to build a record label and we've got to be Island Records now not knowing that there's 50, 60 years of success behind Island Records. Um, but what I say to that is there's success and money at every single level. So even if you're trying to just make money, even at level one, it might not be hundreds of thousands, but there's money at level one. And then, so and once you get that first taste of money from something that is not from a friend or from a family member, you realise, oh, hang on, if I just keep doing this, I'll go to level two. And Do you see what I mean? Um, and once you kind of get those kind of mind frames right and you, get, and you start to see those pictures, for me, things become a lot easier. That makes sense. But as you're speaking about it, and I was visualizing kind of those steps, that makes sense. So effectively, what you did, what you're saying is that mm. you invested in yourself initially, exactly. and was everyone down to invest as well? No, oh, but it was just me. You, so you <laughs> that were was the so reason you... the band didn't stay together because <laughs> oh, I, I was just like, I, see. I wanted it. It was, it was my band. I wanted it. Um, I was talking to a, another artist who I'm working with on her, her with her business at the moment, um, and. She was doing really well at the time as well. And um, like she, she was doing Glastonbury and all kinds of cool things like that. And we were talking about that, saying that we, sometimes you want it more than other people. And you've got to come to a, you've got to come to a decision with if that, are you okay? Can you live with that? Or can you not live with that? Um, I hear you. And how that drag, does that drag you down or does that not drag you down? And for me, because I was doing music for so long, when I hit 30, I was like, okay, I can't keep doing this. I don't feel like I'm getting the support I need. Did you see what I mean? But you, you, you achieved a lot, though, in your music career. Like you said, festivals, the coverage. Festivals. We did, um, we did um, Love Box. We done, like, we done, yeah. We and done you got those bookings yourself? Yeah, because my stuff. So all of it used to come from me. We got When we got an agent, we stopped getting bookings. <laughs> like, that's the ironic thing about really? it. Yeah, that's the ironic thing about it. So how did you get those um, bookings? It's just hustle. Like, you just, it's literally like, if you, if you go, like I said, if you go online, there's always a competition for a, for a, for a big festival, as an example. There but is. Back then, yeah, every single festival, every big festival, there uh -huh. will, somewhere there will be a, you can perform on this stage if you do, da -da -da. like you kind of, like right. there always is. So those are the things we used to do. We used to, just, we used to win competitions left, right and centre. Like we would always uh. win competitions. Um, and yeah, we just built from there. So like I said, the Metro thing really helped. So that gave us a big visibility. Then we was, there was a thing back then called MTV Unsigned or MTV Top 20 or something. I can't remember what it was called. And we was we was one of the acts that got chosen for that, so that gives you more visibility. Then, um, then obviously you've got friends within the space, so then then they start to connect you, and it just it just builds. It's just the momentum again. Like you mm. start from ground zero, but you build and build and build. And like I said, the UK is tiny, so once you hear of something, it's easier to kind of yeah. make that space and make that move. Yeah. What was the favorite song that you did um, whilst you as a band? Um, yeah, what, we had like what's it a, called? we had a song. Um, our songs not give a damn we had a song about <laughs> it was like a reggae kind of scar type hip-hoppy kind of song which um, really always used to go down well it's basically about um girls turning me down it was basically about girls like um not giving me the time of day but it used to, <laughs> used to, used to go down well <laughs> uh yeah that was one of our like our go-to songs that everybody like again the crowd would sing along and like we because performing, I used to love performing. That's, I still love performing. That's my, that was the, the part of it that I loved, that and writing songs. So we used to put a lot into our stage shows. So like we'd have different drops of the band and we would, different feels and stuff like that. And the, like, yeah, it was cool. It was good. Yeah. If, 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 like, as you're speaking about it, I can tell that you're almost reliving it mentally <laughs> yeah. and you're like, you're passionate about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good. Want to drop a bar? No, no, never that. I was like, let me see if I can yeah. get him there. <laughs> it's fine because yeah. we can add the links. Uh, to your, uh, to no, no, I don't even know if it's still up. Like, there's I mean, none, none of the music still up. There's, you, there's a few of it, but um, again, like I said, I haven't done music. Again, so I talk, when I was talking to the friend about it the other day, we we're saying, I don't know if I could just do music anymore in the sense that 
because of what I've done in the past, I know how I'd get with it. I'd want it to come, eventually I'd want it to come out. I'd want to start to, and I just, mm. I just, I'm not in that headspace. I'm too old. And I'm just like, okay, this is cool. You're not cool. old. So, yeah. You're just older. Older. But you're not old. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Mm. So you decided to put that to the side for a sec when you were, well, for now, mm-hmm. and when you were 30 and you went back into digital marketing. So how did you kind of accumulate your knowledge to know what you was doing? Like, what did you do to make sure you had expertise to be consulting with, with companies? So, so again, when I, um, I didn't, I just knew that um, at the soul, again, this is about, 2000 i don't know what we are now 2023 20 um so 2010 mm. 2011 maybe 12 13 around those kind of times um i knew that i'd built channels so i'd built uh, uh, i'd built all of the social media channels for for the band for example i knew we had like at the time like 15,000 different followers on twitter way back when i knew that we was getting hundreds of thousands of videos views on our youtube page way back when before it was the kind of thing that you did sort of thing so i knew i understood it on that level and then because i'm from a marketing background with, with with my university i was like okay this just combine the two um and then as i said earlier i didn't want to be an intern so it was a case of okay let me pretend that i've got a business so I was like, okay i've got a i've got a business called mash br is what i used to call it back then um and the br was because i thought i was trying to be cool by saying mash branding instead of saying mash prs like oh, yeah mash branding we're doing br br prs to stand branding instead of pr Stupid, but that's what no, that's it's not stupid. It was, it's creative. That's what I, that was how my 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 mind was thinking. So I, I like I said, I went to the, the musicians that I knew, the artists that I knew. I went to um, an agency friend that I knew, and then it just kind of developed from there. Developed from there. Um, one thing that I've always been good at, I'm good at networking online. Maybe not so much in real life, but in online, I'm really good at just connecting the dots, saying, "Okay, this person works here. How do I meet this person? How do I speak to this person?" Mm. And, can, and and networking in a, an, an authentic way. So I'd only reach out to somebody if, one, I was generally impressed by them, um, and two, if I had something I could offer them, um, mm. like a value I could give to them, um, regardless of where their space was. So going back to Ete, when, when I reached out to Ete, like I said, I was just impressed with who he was and where the space he was in. So I would, all, I would always just say, try and keep in contact with him because of that fact. Um, and my career now, hands down, doesn't exist without Ete. Like if, if, it, if it wasn't mm. for Ete, I wouldn't have gone into the spaces I went into, some of the clients I've been really into work with. Because Ete made me realize that um, you, have to, you have to remember, I came into this, even though I, uh, my degree is marketing advertising, I came into it from a, a professional standpoint, as in uh, worked in an agency mm. when I was like 32. So I was quite, I was a lot, I was quite old. Um, you know, I mean, if mm. you think about it, like, so, so I'm there thinking, okay, although I've got experience, it's not, a, it's not a professional experience. That's what I used to always tell myself. Your experience isn't professional. It doesn't matter if you've done it for bands and done it for yourself. That's not professional. Professional is when you're doing it from an agency's point of view. And that made me realize that, no, you're just as good as us. Like, and I'd have conversations with him about marketing and business, et cetera, mm. et cetera. And him as an MD and thinking, hang on, I know what you're talking about. I'm, it it translates. Yeah, yeah, we're translating. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm, you're not saying something to me. Where I'm like, huh? I've never yeah. heard of it. You know I mean, we're having conversations and I'm holding my own and we're making sense and we're going exactly. back and forth. And that, when that clicked, it made me realize, regardless of the space I'm in at the currently where I was with the career I was building, mm. I know my stuff. Do you kind of see what I mean? Right. And, and once that penny dropped, it meant that when we built We Are Stripes, and like we are strikes, we've worked with incredible. We've worked with Disney. We've worked with Microsoft. Um, we've had How we've worked you with the government. Um, we just did campaigns with them. So like Disney got in contact contact with us about helping them with some of their. Um, they've got like comics, and they were going to put out a new product. They were they want to help with they want to help with DNI about. So we want to know that the, the products weren't offensive and that they were, um, they wouldn't be controversial by the way they they curated them. Like if, wherever wherever it got put out internationally. So we worked mm. with them on that. Um, with Microsoft, we did a, a mentoring program with them and their, um, and their senior management team for three months where we took, we got a, a bunch of new entry to mid-level uh, marketing advertising creators mm. um, and we met, we partnered them with some of their senior leadership across the, um, the email, across, across email for um, Microsoft's um, senior team. So these projects- A number they, of different things. Yeah, like they just, these projects came to We Are Stripes and we just built and developed from that. And when we are, like I said, we are started with about 20 or 20 or 30 odd people. That's a lot of people to start with. It then shrank down, obviously. And then when things started to say, okay, so we're going to start making this a business and we want to do this and we want to do that. That's when people started to go into their own different spaces. Mm. But because we were doing so many cool things and we had so many 
at the time, industry pioneers and people, um, black curators who were doing really good things at the agency, it gave us a good, a lot of kudos sort of thing, a lot of credit. And then when it finally, it, when it turned into what it is today, it was myself, Nene and um, Ete's brother, Akama. Mm-hmm. Um, we, when it was just the three of us, that's when we started to really take off because we said, okay, we're making a business out of it. Mm-hmm. And these are the spaces we're going to go into. So were you working on the work that you were that, on the briefs as well yourself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, so, all, so, all three, all three of, of us, yeah, yeah. So, that, so those, those, they were coming to us. It was a lot, but we also didn't find it that like we we was we was talk about the Disney as as a good example because we say if we were at an agency we would have loved to have done this work. This is a client who's come to us mm. like as little we are stripes whoever we are and said we you can help you can uh, we need your expertise to help us do X Y Z and that was a, again a pivotal moment for us because we realized again we know our stuff we're not we're not blagging it we're not trying, you know what I mean yeah. we know our stuff and. I wouldn't have had those opportunities for that. All of the speaking stuff that I do now, that all starts from me connecting with Ete and doing We Are Strikes. My, all of my first talking t- um, bookings came from DNI, from the DNI talks. Yeah. And now I do it for arts and culture and marketing and stuff like that. But that, all of this, those, those seeds are sown from my connecting with Ete. And I always say for any young person, if you're trying to connect with somebody, especially through like via LinkedIn or online or something like that, as long as you're genuine, Mm. Um, and you can and you can look at their work and see something that inspires you. Just say hello. Say you know mm. what I love your work. Reach out mm. and then keep that keep that connection. When you when you got something you think is really interesting, send them a link. Say, oh, I've done this. I thought this was really cool. You might like this. Or I loved your post on this. Or obviously now Ete's doing different podcasts and stuff like that. So if you were reaching out someone like that, oh, I listen mm. to your podcast. I love the. You kind of mm. say what I mean. And you, you, it's not doing anything where you're. I know people say it's begging or what. It's, it's not. You're bit. You're, you're cultivating relationships. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Um, so yeah. Yeah, I think where there, there's so many different learnings that I like. To, I like to draw them out mm. when you say it. But I think one of the key things was the fact that somebody was able to see things in you that you didn't necessarily see in yourself. Yeah. I think that's really, really important to have, um, especially in like in the working landscape as well, where that may not be frequent because, like exactly what you said you had the skill sets required to do the job you just couldn't see it because it wasn't as easily transferable in your eyes but someone else saw it but it's, it's interesting because i've actually got an, a creative agency that i'm working with for black create connect yeah. that recently they were looking to find a creative team mm-hmm. now the term the creative team terminology in the black community isn't common yeah, yeah, like yeah, when yeah, you're yeah. putting out the brief for a creative team they don't understand really what that means so yeah, yeah. they have then we put that to a, a program together for next year yeah. to then help black um, black creatives yeah. basically put teams together because they don't know that that actually helps yeah. them to get more opportunities exactly. now the fact that the agency sat down for, for me to kind of curate how we can yeah. do that I think these are the type of actions that we need to see from more agencies yeah. because it's not it's not our fault that we we don't always see the transferable skill yeah. but to have someone there to do it is incredible yeah. and then also it's a really important that you obviously had an impact in some of the work that lot of these brands were doing so like with disney them coming to you to say can we get your eyes on this i wish more brands did that because there are some campaigns that i've seen and i've been like you didn't get someone in the room to yeah, to, to, to look over that yeah, because exactly. that is definitely offensive yeah, exactly. so it's like what you're doing is and what you've done yeah. is impactful you know yeah, no, yeah. And, important. And, and the thing what i would say like i said there's 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 two types of person you can be and and evil is up to you to choose mm. um there's people who actually do the work is what I say. And then there's people who talk about they're doing the work and they don't really do it, but they've got a good profile. Yeah. Um, both work depending on what you're trying to achieve. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. You decide on what that looks like for exactly. you as a person. You see what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, th- and even with We Are Stripes, I know we've had conversations internally sometimes about that issue. Like, where do we want to position? Especially, um, we stopped, like the last year, there was a few issues with everybody's personal life, which means we didn't do as much. But, um, We've had those conversations internally. Do you want to be the people who are just big face for big face sake? Or do you want to be the people who say, you know, we know we've done the work. We know pe- brands come to us for X, Y, Z because they know we do the work. They know we, And that's what we were happy with to settle with. You know what? You don't need to know that we're still doing stuff. It's up to you. We mm. know that we're placing, that like we've got a recruitment arm. We know that we've placed mm. a, a good 20 odd people in, in different roles mm. easily. Like mm. we know we've done that. We know that we've done the Disney work. We know that we've done... Um, the off-gen work with a, a, a government agency. Mm. We know that we've done the Microsoft work. And 
if you don't know, cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We know we work with Kindred Agency to help them to build out their DNI infrastructure. We know we've done these mm-hmm. things and we know the impact that it's had. So we, so we became okay with that. And mm. you have to imagine as well, We Are Stripes was, for all intents and purposes, the side hustle because we were still, everyone still had their day jobs. Mm. So, yeah. What would you say some of your biggest learnings so far have been in your career? Because I think it's nice to talk about the successes and what's gone really well. But I think, again, to keep it relatable and to keep it real, like I'm I'm open and honest with everybody all the time. Even last week in a group chat, I think someone sent out a really encouraging message from the community. And I said, you know what? I needed this because I've had a really bad week. Like, and I'm feeling really low. So, and I think people were a bit thrown off because I was like, but you're the the leader here. I'm like, no, no, no. I, 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 I go through up and down stages. So I think, yeah, it'll be good to kind of shed some light on what, what your biggest learnings have been. I think a mentor, if you can get a mentor, and not even if you can get a mentor, you can definitely get a mentor if you, if you're, if you want one. I think that was one of the best things, like I said, one of the best things I've ever done. Um, try and get a mentor. Remember that you don't have to rush everything. There's this idea that everything has to happen right this second. Like you, things, Sometimes things take time, and especially now that I'm consulting, for example, there's... The very first um, consultancy role I got, the very first job I got, I would speak to the person at least six, seven months before the actual job transferred into, okay, now we can do the work. Do do, do you see what I mean? Like having that patience and understanding that Mm. things take time, but it's a process. And once you start that ball rolling again, it's the momentum Mm. again. It's the same thing. So when I, talking about the band stuff, the reason why I'm confident in the consultancy is because I'm like, I'm seeing the same traits happen. Okay, it started slow and then I started to get this and this happened and people are connecting and you're doing this. And the same thing's happened with the consultancy. Okay, it started here and now people are connecting. I'm doing this. Do you see what I mean? Like you start. Mm. So have that patience. Um, give yourself grace as well. Like be, be, give yourself grace to understand that you, that you are allit to swear. <laughs> that you that you are you are you are that person that you can do that you stuff. Are the yeah, shit. yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like you are exactly. like like you like something that I do is I, I take note of the things that I've done but I've done well, I've gone well. And when I'm feeling low or feeling down, I just go through them. And it's not an ego play, it's to remind myself to say, right, you have done these things. Like 100. you can be in these spaces. You're allowed to show up and not feel like, hang on, like am I allowed to sit with you? Can I, am I allowed yeah. to do you see what I mean? Um and the more you start to do that and the more you start to reframe your mind to um, to see that you can do stuff, again, the opportunities start to come. You start to see yeah. the world differently because you start to see how how things connect. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Um, so yeah. yeah, I agree. I agree. Definitely. I guess kind of going in a bit deeper with... Um some of your experiences and your challenges when you, whilst you don't have to say whilst you're at Stripes but even working agency yeah, side yeah. like I have friends and I've obviously worked in agency yeah, and yeah, I've yeah. seen the ups and downs that come with that the long hours the <laughs> the the differences in um, culture yeah. opinions personalities not getting credited for stuff yeah <laughs> like yeah, yeah exactly yeah, being yeah. spoken over in meetings mm-hmm. um, you know there's so many different things that, that you can kind of go through what type of challenges that might may or may not link to, you know, your personal characteristics, but in general, have you had to kind of overcome and how did you overcome those? I think one of my biggest learnings is that a senior to senior member, especially in creative spaces, doesn't necessarily mean they understand everything and they know everything. So it's very often that you as a junior or in a junior role or who's maybe not the, the, the lead of a play project will, will know more mm. and having the grace to understand that that's okay. Mm having the grace to understand that your role in this space is to try and provide enlightenment about culture or about mm. creativity or about digital, about social and not take it, not, not feel like, hang on, I know more than you. How are you here? <laughs> like, do you kind of mm, see what I mean? Mm, because mm. there's an ego play there and there's, a, there's your egos, your ego starts to fight against you saying, if I know more than you, why are you, why am I not leading this team? And you are, you mm. kind of see what I mean? Um, I've had that issue a lot, if I'm honest with you, like, especially, um, but then don't you think, sorry, on that point, but don't you think it's always going to be like that? Because I I've, I never think that leaders are going to know everything. It's impossible. Like Yes, it's always going to be like that, but it can be a culture shock when you realise how much more you know. Right. So, like, I know I've worked with brand managers at Brands talking about social and digital. I'm like, and you're, I'm like, you're a brand manager, but they have no idea how social all works. All right, all right, got you. Do you understand what I mean? And yeah, you're like, yeah. how are you a brand manager? And you have no idea how, this, how social works. You trying to kind of say what I mean? Like, how have you got to this position yeah. about understanding how 
the very basics of how the platforms work or the very basics about how to mm. what content's going to resonate or, or not even resonate how to look at the insights mm. what, what the data is showing you do you kind of mm. see what i mean mm. um so under, having that grace and just realizing that if you the more you share this information the more you become the go-to the more you mm. become the, per, the, the 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 um the key player in the team and the, the easier it is for you to then express yourself and do things that you do want to do and do what you do like within a space mm. Mm, that makes sense that makes a lot of sense thank you for sharing that oh, as well sure. i guess um onto your expertise mm. as a digital um, marketing consultant why do businesses specifically in the arts um, industry why do they need digital marketing like talk to us about that we're in a space i'm in a sector where arts and culture especially now like if you're looking at the, the, the things that happen in the world and social media and digital is are the new archives there when you look at there's a great ted talk um that i always reference for the arts culture I'm, uh, i never remember the, the doctor lady's name it's dr caroline something um, if, you can, if you can drop the ted talk in the okay uh, uh, yeah, she, right. yeah yeah she, she talks about how when anne frank was writing her diary that was the medium of the time whereas there's a war in, uh, the, during the war in ukraine um there was a tiktoker who was who would document what's happening on the ground in Ukraine, we see the social media what's happening currently in Gaza and Palestine and things like that. We see it. Like I've seen on Instagram, there's some really harrowing pages where you can like you can see some quite, if I'm honest, quite scary things. Mm. Um, who's archiving that? Who's mm. telling those stories from an arts and culture standpoint? Who's telling those stories? Um, connecting with audiences. Audiences are the next generation of audiences, they live on their phone, they live on tablets, they live on digital. Mm. If you're not telling stories to that's going to in, um, initiate them, they're going to make them want to know more about these different spaces. How are, they going to, how are you going to get them into the into the museums, into the libraries, into the art galleries? How are you going to get them into exhibits? If you're not telling them the stories in the ways that they want to, they want to connect with it. And mm. that is digitally. <laughs> that's just, mm. there's, no mo- there's no two ways about it. It's, it's, it's digitally. Um, so that's where the importance comes in. And a lot of arts and culture organisations, although they're getting better and COVID helped, currently they, they don't really do that much. So where where are you helping them? Where where have you managed to actually get some results? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like where do they see the return on investment with working with you? So currently, um, I mean, some, yeah. so for, like, for example, with South Bank, so I worked with South Bank Centre recently. Mm. Um, and as, with them, I helped them look at their whole digital and social, social media strategy. Okay, mm. so what does it look like what you're currently doing? How do you how do you reach new audiences? How do you go out to connect with um, with younger audiences? How do you what kind of content are you creating? Do you need these, all the channels that you have? I made them like kind of focus in on what's actually necessary for the, what they're doing now. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the kind of things that I do at an agency. There's another organisation I'm working with currently where I help them restructure their their, their digital team. So um, I've, I've positioned I'm I'm kind of currently working with them as like, almost like an interim head of digital, so to speak, where I'm helping them bring in um, the right employees for the team. Helping them, mm-hmm. I built a digital strategy for them, helping execute the strategy. So those are the kind of things that I do. What are the top things that people should be considering when they're putting together a digital strategy for their, um, I guess there's different type of businesses that are probably going to be listening in, but just a templated one that you can think of? I think ultimately you want to think about what your objective is. So what, and how do you define success for yourself? Not what's success for everybody, like what does success look like for you? So that's always what I say where you start. You can start by you're going to want to do an audit of some of some sort. Um, once you've done that and you understand what your success is, then you're saying, okay, where are my audiences? Um, how do my audience want to engage with me? How do my audience want to connect to me? So is that on social media? Is that on newsletters? Is that on my website? Um, and then you just put it out from there, from honest with you. That's ultimately you're looking at. You're looking about what stories you're telling about your organization. What are the stories you want to tell? Um, what are the narratives that you want them to think when they when they when you when they've come across your brand or come across mm. your organisation. How do you do that without kind of overdoing it? Because mm. I think about that sometimes. I think whenever I, I do talks or I'm on podcasts, I think to myself, how many times am I going to say, say the same story over and over and over again? Like, are people bored of me now? Like, it's, you know. It's cliche, but again, people always say, Coca-Cola advertising every day. Nike advertising every day. Like, you're, you're telling stories. For me, you create pillars. Mm. So once you've got content pillars, you're thinking, okay, we've got these pillars. And then you just find different ways to tell those same stories and diff- from different it's elements. Nice. Yeah, from different elements of it. So if I talk about myself, say I'm talking about myself. So I know there's things that I like talking about. So I like the arts. I love social media and digital. Mm. And I love black people. Like those, those, so those are my those things that I focus on sort of thing. I can tell stories about the arts in a million different ways. I can talk about 
great campaigns I've seen. I can talk mm. about great social media platform. People are doing it well on the platforms. I can talk mm. about um, exhibits that happen. So for example, Pokemon versus um, the Van Gogh Museum. So Pokemon, okay. they did a um, campaign together currently. I could, there's, there's all these things that I can talk about. Mm. I can talk about the audience side about that. I can talk about how they're connecting with, with younger audiences. I can talk about how, um, how, they, how when, they, when they did the campaign and they did the brand partnership, they got all of these Pokemon fans, fans who basically rushed their store and they tried to buy everything out of the store. And like you can talk about social media crisis management. There's so many different ways you can yeah. start to break it down to show that you're an authority within a space, to show that you understand the topic. Yeah, um, and that's where you that's where you go. And as a brand, let's say you're um, let's look at your brand for example. Mm. So with you, there's so many things you could talk about. You can talk about um, your 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 podcast. You can talk about why you do it and and the passion behind it. You can talk mm. about the fact that you're a woman doing this in the business you can talk about the fact that you've worked in Adland. you can talk mm. about there's all these different mm. things that are different parts of you that you can amplify up or down depending on what you want to what stories you want to tell right um and where when it really starts to sing and when there's really like a harmony with it is when you start to plan it out so you said okay mm. for this quarter this is what we're going to focus on boom then you've got you know next quarter we're going to focus on this so now you can start to plot your content accordingly and yeah and it pieces together pieces together exactly what would you say, just out, just to get your perspective, who do you think has an amazing, great personal brand from your perspective and then and why? And what business do you think has created a really great digital, consistent mm. digital strategy and executed it really well? Personal brand, um, I don't know his surname, I would get it wrong. It's Tim Amoro, I think. Yeah, I know who it is. Um, Fanbytes. There we go, Fanbytes. Yeah. So Tim, although I think I, he's my favourite business brand, um, paid. I don't always agree with everything he says, but I think his yeah. page is incredible and I like the content he puts out. He's very real. And not only that, because there's so many of those kind of people who are gurus, because yeah. he's actually really done it. You can see, like, there's more, to me, there's more uh, authenticity behind the things he mm. says. Um, so I think he's done really well. And he's only, he started, he started building about a year ago. Um, so I, I, I respect a lot of the stuff he's doing. From an organisation standpoint or a brand who, I mean, like Smash It, um, maybe a bit obvious, but they they do Mike always seem to be on the money. With they do, the, you know, like the the storytelling, yeah, um, the content they put out and the and the way they connect with culture, and and not only do they they do it in a way that they have, they're almost invited to the cookout, so to speak. They're, they're, yeah, they they're, are. They're in a space where it, it they're 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 allowed to talk about certain subject matters where maybe yeah. other brands don't have the of, the authenticity or the enough connection to be able to do it. Mm. Uh, I think they do it really well. Um, other, then there's other brands like there's brands like Innocent so Innocent Smoothies for example like they're really good at just telling stories and, 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 and making light of what they represent as a brand and, mm. and, um, and just connecting things that you wouldn't necessarily say is, has anything to do with Innocence but it just works because of the way they, yeah. the, the sort of humour they build and the, um, the, the way they, they, they've built their kind of narrative online so yeah I think there's loads of brands that do good content and who communicate in a way that you stay that they stay front of mind, which is ultimately the the, the, the purpose of social. Like, so some a, a brand or an organization or person can be front of mind when you come to thinking of yeah. that product or that um, that story or whatever it is you're looking for. Do you know what I realized? As you're saying this as well, I think people just connect. People say it all the time they connect with authenticity, but they actually really do. No, no, they do. Like, yeah, it sounds corny and cliche, but they do. They like they do well. Like whenever I think of, I mean, I remember the other day I did like a random post on a line bike that just came to me and I stopped quickly to quickly do a post. Didn't think nothing of it. That got one of the highest engagement. Yeah, and and I was like, I was so confused. And I was just talking about being a cyclist and comparing it to the being diverse and why we need to have cycle lanes and this is why we need to have lanes for people. And then I was like, right, landed because I because I just done it on the spot with no thought. And then there's again versus that I've done content which has been planned yeah. that hasn't necessarily done as well. So I just do content on the go now. But there's so well, stuff like that. What I say again. So when you're building out that social strategy, you're thinking about okay, each piece of content has a purpose. Right. So some content, its role is not to go viral. Or the, the, yeah. the purpose is there is to showcase whatever that is. Yeah. That's its purpose, and it might not get lots of likes, but it's, it's again, it's kept on front of mind. Some content's purpose is I want to get engagement and reach. So once mm. and then once you can start to kind of realize that there's different purposes for different content it helps you then decide okay i know i need to put something out like this because it will increase my reach and impressions i know mm. this piece of content is here so as almost like a show and proof as social proof that what i do is here and what i mm. do is authentic 
So once you start to, again, when you define your own success and what success looks like for you as a platform or as a brand or um, and what it looks like digitally, it makes it easier for you to put out content that mm. performs well or not, doesn't perform well yeah. according to what you're trying to achieve. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That that makes total sense. What about myths? Any any digital marketing myths that you think are, are out there that people need to... That you have to be on every single platform. Nonsense. Okay, why? Nonsense is nonsense. Um, there's... 4.7 billion people using social media. Um, overall? Overall, yeah. yeah. So I guarantee you that there's 100, 1,000, 10,000, 100,000 people who will love what you do specifically. I, I, it's guaranteed. Yeah. Because there's so many people online. Um, I used to say when I used to do talks jokingly that there's a platform for toilet t- for t- tissue paper. If you like tissue paper, there'll be a platform for you. And I back in the day, I found a, a literally Instagram page which was about tissue paper. Johannes, I mean, has fifty thousand followers. Yeah. So do you know? So like, there was a platform for everything. There's a conversation. There's someone out there who will think just like you, or will like the things you're doing, or mm. will like the conversation you're doing. Now the difference is nowadays it's harder to get the organic reach, but there's there's two ways you can look at it. If it's something that you like and you're passionate about, mm. if that shines through, people will resonate with it and it will connect. Similar mm. to what you were saying about the post when you just talk to the, the camera or whatever, have you put those posts that. Um, people resonate with it because they mm. they see you and say, oh yeah, I get that. I can relate to that. I can buy into that. Mm. And then you build off of that accordingly. Mm. That's a really, really good piece of advice as well because I think, I don't know, the other day I was thinking, oh, I need to have more presence on maybe Pinterest or this and that. That's not, it's not for me. It's got no, it's, it's got no link to, to what I'm doing. So that makes sense. Just think about, what, when I say fluff like that, I always think the, there's a difference between having a business profile and then managing your profile because it's just something you do. Yeah. So once you establish why you've got a social media platform, then you've got to decide, okay, where are my audience going to be? Mm. What platforms are they actually going to be on? So so mm. some people are on platforms, like you said, they're just on it because, oh, we have to have every platform, but the audience aren't there or the audience aren't responding yeah. in the way that they'd want to there. Or the businesses that they're trying to sell, no one's going to buy from that platform. You kind yeah. of, you see what I mean? So you just, you've got to really think about, okay, what platform my audience on? And then how do I tell stories that's going to resonate with them? Yeah. Now, if you've got a massive team, then maybe you can be on every platform. You can create content and repurpose it and sweat it so that it goes everywhere. But if it's just you, I say focus on one platform um, where you can create quality content adds value mm. and then let that grow. And then maybe once you've got a bigger team, if you can then repurpose the content and put it in different yeah. places, then knock yourself out. But focus on one platform or have platform strategies where you say, okay, Example, Instagram and TikTok are going to be my main hubs and then I'm just mm. going to put other information on these other platforms, but I'm, community building is not the purpose of them. It's just to me just to share content so I've got right. a presence. But my platform, my primary platforms are TikTok and Instagram, mm, as an mm, example. Mm. Do you see what I mean? As a quick whist stop, what should people think about using each platform for? So, you know, I don't know if you've seen posts by some um, personal branding. There's one post I saw from Amelia Sordell, um, who is a founder of Clout. Mm-hmm. And um, she done a post saying on LinkedIn, you would write something that is, xyz and on tiktok you'll do this and on instagram do you have like a quick whistle top whistle top whistle Whistle stop stop. (laughs) um so again i think you can do everything on every platform i know people don't but in the same way yeah you can like well not the same way but you can tell this when i say sweat and content it's when you look at a story and say okay how do i tell this same story but resonate it for the people who are on this audience Mm. so on linkedin um, I'll give you an example. So on LinkedIn, I put um, updates, free social um, social media or digital articles for arts and culture organisations that they should look out for this week. I'll put those updates on. Then on my Instagram page, I'll put the bloopers from all the mistakes I made from that from that talk. So like when you know when you're oh I messed up, hang on, I got to say it again. Like when you're trying to get, I right. put that on my Instagram page. So it's the same content, mm. but just t- different. different for that, pl- for the, for the, depending on the platform. Do you, you see what I mean? So mm. you can tell the same stories. You just got to think about what resonate, what's going to resonate where. What tone do you think is best for each platform then? That that might be a bit, bit of a better question. Um, again, I don't, I'm, I'm a, maybe I'm a weird one. I don't, there isn't a, a perfect tone for anything. People are people. Like you said, it's the authenticity. What do yeah. I connect with? So if you're on LinkedIn, when people say like LinkedIn's B two B and you can only you can't you can't have fun on LinkedIn, what, you're talking to a human. Why not? Mm. <laughs> like you're talking to a, a real person. Yeah. How do you add value to that person? Do you see what I mean? Mm. Um, it might be a funny meme that says something about about um, what it's like to work in an ad agency that people can resonate with. It might be I'm going to give you free tips that will help you 
um, survive working at a creative agency. That might, that might work on that. But then you could do the same thing on Instagram. Why couldn't you put that same post on Instagram? Mm. Do you kind of see what I mean? Yeah, Why yeah, couldn't yeah, you put hey, that yeah. on, on threads or TikTok or Twitter? Like there's... Um, I can't remember her second name. There's a girl named Shola something. Uh, Shola name. West. That made young girl. Um, yeah. yeah that, so when she does her when she does her CV reviews on TikTok, she does CV reviews on on TikTok where she got where people will give her their CVs and she'll give them advice on what they can do. Right. Why can't I go on LinkedIn? Yeah. No, it can. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it 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 definitely does work on LinkedIn, yeah. and I understand the cross pass between the two. But mm. like, it's weird because again, sometimes I will I will do content on LinkedIn and yeah. repurpose it on Instagram, and I'm like. This caption's too long for Instagram, you yeah, know? Yeah, 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 <laughs> like, yeah. people are not going to read this. <laughs> so I'll then be like, let me cut that down yeah. and, t- and tone it differently. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then on TikTok, again, tone it differently yeah, yeah, as yeah. well. So well, I'll give you an example of that. So there will be pages. Mm. There's a Jay-Z fan page that I follow. Okay. And it's called Ain't No Jigger. And he writes realms and reels and reams and reams and reams of text. So it'd be... And it it'd be, it'd be all of the um the caption posts. Then sometimes it's in the actual um the actual. Um, What's he writing? But he'll have a picture and he'll go into so much detail about the time and what what Jay Z was doing, about oh. the clothes he was wearing, about the watch he got, where he got it from. People are convinced it's Jay Z because of the amount of intimate information that he that he puts in his, into his post. But people go back to this page to read the captions, to read. Oh wow! Kind of I mean, to read all this information because, like I said, if people feel there's value. That's what they buy into. It's the yeah. value. What's their interest? What they're interested in? That's where they come back to. Do you see what I mean? So yeah. you can put reams and reams of text on Instagram if that's what your audience comes to you for. Mm. Do you see what I mean? If that's what you're interested in. If if that's what you've prepped your audience to buy into, then mm. that's what they're buying into. If it's not, then it doesn't, it doesn't work. Yeah, do you yeah, understand yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I understand. It's, it's more about you understanding what your audience wants not what you want, what your audience wants. Yeah. And then how you create content for what your audience wants. And then you build from there for each platform. And how do people figure out what the audience wants, especially if they're starting new? Because there's a lot of people that are now also thinking, oh yeah, I'm going to build my personal brand. How should they figure that out? What I would say to that is start off, just do stuff. Don't overthink it. At the beginning, yeah. just do stuff. See what works. See what's working for you. What you're comfortable doing. Because also you have to remember, depending on how serious you're going to be, you have to post regularly, frequently. So you have to decide, okay, am I enjoying doing this? And a lot of people, mm. the thing about social media is people think it's an easy thing to do, but it's time consuming. Very, <laughs> like, do you see what I mean? It's time very, consuming. Yeah. So once you're, so when you're first starting off, I would say just try different things. See mm. what feels comfortable for you. So like, like you said, if it's talking to the camera and that works for you, talk to the camera and see how that works. Do it, do it for, I say at least six weeks to three, like to three months or quarter. So you can see if there's any kind of traction behind it. If that works, then do that. If it's okay, I don't mind making quotes. I do. do mm. You kind of say, I mean, see what works for you. Once you've figured out what works for you and what people seem to be resonating with, mm. drill down on that and just look. You do that by just looking at your insights. What have people saved the most? What are people? Um, what's got the most impressions? What's mm. got the most reach? What's got the most comments? You can see what the engagement rate is. Start to. Mm. Those are the posts that you say, okay, let me drill down on this. I enjoy doing it, um, and people seem to resonate with it. Mm-mm. really good advice there that 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 makes total sense um what about next so no next you're you're kind of do you mind talking about yeah, no, your fine, next yeah. chapter feel free to so yeah i'm away. moving to the states um very very soon um where's this come out well it's fine people are not gonna know when you've moved to the states so just okay, talk cool. normally yeah okay. uh, <laughs> um, so yeah so uh moving to the states um soon looking forward to that um Really connected. I've like, worked with the Brooklyn Museum, so I've already worked with a few organisations in America. Um, it. So it's just about, but yeah, building from that and continuing consulting. Looking forward to seeing what I know. American arts and culture organisations are very different to how they are in the UK. Um, obviously, in the UK, we get funded from the Arts Council. There's no such thing as Arts Council in America. So oh, really? Yeah, it doesn't. So they're a lot more. We need to make money. They're more, a lot more commercially focused and minded. So I'm looking forward to seeing how I can work over there. Yeah, where, where mommy? Where in the states? Is it? Um, Tennessee. Tennessee. Oh wow, that's like south, mm, south. It's, it's gonna be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, um, really different. Mm, it's gonna be different, but um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah, um, nice new chapter for yeah. you. Well, um, before we kind of wrap up about like kind of you know what's next, I like to always do a thing where each guest says a really thoughtful word to the community um, just to, I guess, leave them feeling either encouraged, inspired, food for thought, whatever it is you think is really important that you wish someone had said to you yeah. earlier on. Um, 
if stuff is worth doing, it's worth doing poorly. Poorly? Mm. Ooh. And, and what I mean by that is sometimes you just got to show up. Uh, even if you can't be bothered, it might be. So you might, you might be bad at it today, but you've got to go and do it anyway. You go and do it. And you'll find that you'll get better and better and better. And even those days when you don't want to do it, it's still mm. going to turn up. For me, I think I loved. I've loved. I've always loved that set. That um, that quote. I can't. I don't. Couldn't tell you who said it. If I guessed it, but for me, that's a good way to look at what the world because people often don't start things because they're scared of perfectionism. They want to be perfect at this. Yeah. I've got to do this. I've got to do this perfectly, or it's not. It's not worth me doing it. If it's worth doing, it's worth doing it badly because you'll get better at it. The more you do it, 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 the more you turn up, the more you'll get better, and the more you'll understand this is. Period. And if you've listened to this podcast, you'll listen to the differentiations in the audios where some episodes are not perfect because the audio was a bit messed up, but I still put it out because it's it was good real. content. It's real. <laughs> and, you know, and the set, you know, for those that have seen, the set's changed over time, you know. So, again, like, I've, and I was scared. I remember I was scared to even put up my first episode because I was like, it's not, it's like polished. And I'm looking at, you know, all these established episodes. I'm comparing myself to the diary of the CEO, you know. I told you. This is what I said. This is what I'm saying to you. We're looking at people's finished results. Exactly. And saying, oh, we need to be here. Yeah. Yeah, Stephen Bartlett's been doing social media and digital for the last so, 10 years. Exactly, exactly. Like, and sense. he's got a different budget and a different team. Different like, budget, different team, so, yeah. so you have to appreciate that. And that's that, that's some really thoughtful, really, mm. really good advice. You, you define your own success. Like, yeah. I know it's easier said than done to not watch what people, other people are doing, but you define your own success. And again, talking about that office, authenticity side of things, people like going on journeys with people. Yeah. So when you're more consistent, they will see the journey. Like you said, people will see where it started off with no set to now you've got a set. To yeah. now you've got about you've got plants in the like you know what I mean? So yeah. Yeah, no, it's true. It's really true. But um yeah. thank you so much for coming mm. on and just sharing your journey with us. I really appreciate your time. I know time is very precious <laughs> to every single person. So I appreciate it, sharing your expertise. And um, yeah, thank you so much for coming on today. Me. And this is a brilliant thing. I love what you're doing. Um, congratulations. And yeah, keep shining, man. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, and thank you to everyone else that's been listening to us and supporting us and watching us. Please do make sure you share this episode. Don't be selfish. Don't, don't not share the good information that's in this episode. So share the episode. Remember to subscribe. And also, I'm going to leave links to Hayden's information in the bio so you can connect with him. Um, you can see all about Stripes and uh, all the work he's doing. So, um, yeah. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you. Bye.